Well, Brian, thank you so much for sharing your <laughs> for sharing your Walt Disney World solo me? trip. I'm at DCL Duo on social Dave. media. I have hey, a podcast. You have to let you me say it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, DCL Duo fans, we want to take a minute to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans Travel. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacations and love the experience and service we get from our travel specialist at Touring Plans Travel and know you will too. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation, Disney vacation, or really any cruise or land-based vacation, head over to touringplans.com slash travel for a free quote. Let them know that the DCL Duo sent you to help support our show, but we're confident that you are going to have the same great experience that we do when we use Touring Plans Travel. So thanks Touring Plans Travel for sponsoring the show and now on to our episode. Welcome back everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast and this week I'm the guest yeah. and Sam's the host. Sam's <laughs> the host and I'm the guest because we're going to be talking about my recent solo trip to Walt Disney World. My First time traveling in 15 months, and our first trip back to anything Disney was my trip to Disney World. So we're going to start right there. So Sam, yeah, you're the host. What I know. know. So let me ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's first start with travel. This was the first time in what, like 16 months that you traveled. Um, I, think it was so I think it was 15 months to the day. Well, really? I thought it was more than that. Okay. Well, it was 15 months since the last time you traveled. So tell us what was it like traveling in the, dare I say, post-COVID era? I guess we're still in the COVID era, but you know what I mean. Overall, this trip was the single most jarring experience I think I've ever had in my life. And after being cooped up for 15 months, not going anywhere, not definitely not going to Disney... I was, I mean, going to the airport was a sea of people. I mean, it was just a sea of people. You get past security and you just realize, oh my God, this is like the most people I have been around in 15 months. And, yeah. uh, and none of them, none of them do I, I don't, I don't know any of them. Thankfully, they were all wearing masks for the most part or getting very ugly glares if they were not wearing their mask appropriately in the airport. But it was, it was jarring. It was jarring. There was a sea of people, a lot of people. You know, I'm in the era now where there's no no empty middle seat. Uh, the plane ride was full. I was upgraded to first class there and back. And so uh, that was nice. But, you know, I had somebody sitting next to me the whole way. And, and so you're, you know, leaving your mask on and just pulling it down to eat or drink something. But, but it was weird. It was, it was really weird. What happens when you get to MCO? Are you heading Magical Express or something else? No, I rented a car this time, uh, and I'm 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 actually really glad I did. I, I we have not rented cars when we've traveled down to Disney World in the past, and this time I actually found it to be very helpful for me. It was less about the safety aspect, although I think that that's why I rented it originally was just the thought of being on a bus with a bunch of people I didn't know, but also the convenience of it because Magic Express seems to have been experiencing delays, and it's also going away, and so I was sort of testing out like what's the alternative. So I rented a car 
And I, I thought that was a pretty smooth experience to rent a car and uh, turned out to be really helpful getting around the resort, especially my first day I was at Animal Kingdom. And so it was nice to be able to grab a car, drive over to Animal Kingdom Park since I'm an annual pass holder. Parking is free. So um, that was just a, a nice way to get around Disney World and move around. Yeah. So let's uh, let's back up before we talk about Animal Kingdom and talk about where you stayed and what kind of room you stayed in, because I know that is a unique and kind of interesting thing that people might want to hear about. Yeah. So I was originally supposed to have a split stay. So we're DVC members, as as folks probably know. I was originally supposed to have a split stay, a studio at Saratoga Springs for one night, and then um, a room at Riviera. And it ended up that my waitlist came through. So I was at Riviera the entire time. I didn't have to change resorts. And I stayed in a tower studio, which um, I was really apprehensive about <laughs> because of how small those studios have seemed from you know online videos and things like that. But I would actually say the Tower Studio is a great option for like a single traveler or a couple if you're not going for an entire week. I think the Tower Studio would be a little brutal for a week long trip, but for, you know, a three night, four night stay at the world, a long weekend, I thought it was perfect. I also say you have to be really comfortable with that kind of staying at your grandparents in the 80s kind of thing where it's like, yeah you make the bed in the morning and you, and you, you know, put the couch away. It's the same thing in the tower studio. You kind of had to put your pillows away, make your bed a little bit and then fold the bed back up. So you had the couch again and had a little bit more space to move around. It's also a little weird because, um, you know, it's this tower studio and a DVC resort. So it doesn't, it doesn't have like a full kitchen. It has like a microwave and a small fridge, which is perfect for a weekend. I think the closet is in the bathroom because that's the only space that they have for it. So on one hand, I think it's kind of weird. On the other hand, I was like, well, all my clothes are getting steamed in the closet when I'm taking a shower. Uh, and the only other thing I thought was really is really weird about the Tower Studio is like the bathroom feels almost as big as the main room itself. And so you just sort of kind of wonder, like, why didn't they maybe perhaps make a shower that can't fit five people in it uh, and give you a smaller shower and a little bit more space to move around? But overall, I thought the Tower Studio was fine for a weekend trip. Yeah. So for our listeners, the Tower Studios at Riviera are a new room category, meaning they don't exist at the other DVC resorts. And it is a maximum of two people in the room. So I think it might be the only rooms on property that have that two-person maximum. And that's because there literally is one bed that folds up like a Murphy bed and that becomes your couch. And so that is it. That's, you know, there's not much else in the room. It's, it's a very simple accommodations. And like Brian said, really great for a couple or for a single for maybe a long weekend, but maybe not so good for a whole. Yeah. Well, and, and the big benefit is their low points at Riviera, which is hard to find. Riviera has a pretty brutal points chart. Um, And so it's, it's a low point room. I think it was only 12 or 13 points a night, which is really good actually. So. All right, so let's start talking about your your time at the at the parks. Which parks did you decide to go to? You only had two days, right? Or actually, maybe I should back up and say, where'd you eat that first night? Oh, the first night I met up with uh, actually a, a friend of ours at Riviera, and we had dinner like at my Bar- best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we had dinner at Bar Riva together with uh, him and his husband, and that was great. Bar Riva was good. It was. I thought it was a little weird. The menu felt, you know, and is pretty reduced. And so 
but the food was good and they had a lot of spacing. Um, and the and Bar Riva is it's it's indoors, but it's completely exposed to the outdoors. There's no it's like, you know, three walls instead of four kind of thing. So um, the food was good. You could order from Bar Riva or Primo Piazza, I think it's called or Primo. Piatto. The name yeah. of it. Uh, yeah, it's the. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The p- yeah, and so we got we got a pizza, and I had like a, a tuna salad of some sort, and uh, so it was good. It was good food, good drinks. Again, jarring. It was like super weird meeting up with someone for dinner and sitting down at a table, and I immediately realized I have lost all power for conversation that is not via a podcast with a mic in front of me. So yeah, it was really it was really weird. It it just it's it's sort of it was sort of like the weekend of rebooting my brain a little bit to remember like this is how you talk to people. So um, <laughs> without being in front of a screen. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was hard. It was hard, but it was fun. It was a it was a good night. So we had dinner and then I I went to bed early because I knew I wanted to be up the next morning for Animal Kingdom. So to answer your question, I went to Anim- I was scheduled to go to Animal Kingdom and Disney's Hollywood Studios. I also managed to make it into Epcot uh, for a little bit, which you can talk about. The only park I didn't hit was the Magic Kingdom. Gasp. So <laughs> I or, did or not. The water, or the water parks. Well, or the water parks. But of the, the four major parks, I did not I did not get a chance to visit the castle. Uh, the closest I came was uh, Wilderness Lodge. And And tell our listeners, why was your plan, specifically Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios, rather than booking, you know, getting a reserve visit at Magic Kingdom or Epcot? Well, I didn't want to do Epcot because Epcot feels pretty limited at the moment. You know, like Soren, we can get a Disneyland and or Disney California Adventure. I like Test Track, but in terms of the rides, there just isn't a ton of rides at Epcot right now that are open that I really wanted to do. I did Animal Kingdom because it's actually home to one of my favorite roller coasters at Walt Disney World, which is Everest. And so I decided I want to go to Animal Kingdom to try it out. I don't think there were actually Magic Kingdom reservations available when I made my Park Pass reservations. I'm I'm guessing that a few opened up over time and I just never grabbed one. I did toward the end of the trip contemplate kind of like going over and just hopping into the park so I could see the castle. And I also was reminded that like, oh, Seven Doors Mine Train. I didn't get to ride Seven Doors Mine Train, which is, I think, a fabulous coaster ride there. I wasn't too sad though, because I think Disneyland in most respects has the superior version of the rides from Walt Disney World, or at least my favorite rides. I think they have a better Haunted Mansion. I think they have a better Pirates and I think they have a better Space Mountain. So I knew that we were going to be going to Disneyland the weekend after and that we would probably try to hop over into Disneyland Park. And so I, I wasn't too sad to miss Magic Kingdom. But day one, I drove over to Animal Kingdom. Where did you go? Where did you go first? Um, well, I tried to go to Pandora first, but the, but the wait for Flight of Passage at Rope Drop was immediately like 90 minutes. And so, uh, and it was like this long winding line and I was like, I was sweating walking from the car to the turnstiles. And so I was like, I do not want to stand in the brutal sun. And so what I thought was interesting was as I walked into Animal Kingdom Park, there were tons of people. And so I thought, oh man, this is actually going to be kind of a crowded park. And when I got over to Pandora, it was a long line to get on Flight of Passage. And it was, you know, I think 80 or 90 minutes to get on. I said, forget this. I'm going to head to Everest. Everest is my favorite ride. I'll head over to Everest. If I'm going to wait in a line, I'm going to wait in line for that. As I walked between Flight of Passage and Everest, it was like walking through sheer desolation. There was no one. <laughs> I mean, there was no one. And when I got over to Everest, there were a few people who you could tell were just like going on the ride, coming out, going back on, going on the ride, coming out, coming back. On. And so I managed to ride Everest twice in the span of like 20 minutes. 
and then you know people started coming and i was like i'm you know i need to ride something else and so uh, at that point, I wandered over toward Flight of Passage again and decided I'd get in line, which it, it shortened substantially at that point. I think the wait was only down to, was already down to like an hour. So actually, I grabbed my Starbucks on the way and had sat down, had breakfast, drank some coffee, waited for the line to, to subside a little bit, and then I headed over to Pandora. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tip for some of our listeners. When you are, you know, Sometimes rope dropping the the most popular ride is actually not a good tactic because unless you get to the front of that rope drop, you're going to be in the back and you're going to wait longer than if you waited an hour and go back. Um, I will say this is the first time I've 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 been to the park where I really felt like being an annual pass holder and a DVC member. I I only did Animal Kingdom from about eight in the morning until about noon, and so I rode Everest twice. I rode Flight of Passage once. And then I had lunch at Nomad Lounge, which, by the way, was amazing. And Sam, I'm going to drag you there the next time we're there. <laughs> it was so good. The drinks were fabulous. The, and I love Satuli. The sli- you know, I almost went to Satuli, but uh, a friend of ours who I was messaging with throughout the day at Animal Kingdom recommended Nomad, and I gave it a shot. And I don't think I'll ever go back. It was so good. It was just so good. Um, you don't think you'll ever go back to Satuli now? Well, I'll go to Satuli, but I, I think if I can get into Nomad, it's just such a great place. It's air conditioned. It's it's quiet. <laughs> there's some great drinks, some really good food. Satuli feels like, you know, a cafeteria in comparison. So um, yeah, the food is great. But yeah, the style of eating is more cafeteria style. So anyway, I, I did that. And then I hopped out of Animal Kingdom around noon. So I yeah. only did. Well, it like, was like brutally hot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was over 90 degrees most of the trip, thunderstorms in the late afternoon, brutal humidity most of the day until it thunderstormed, and then it would kind of cool off at night. So yeah, us Seattleites, we can't handle that kind of heat and humidity. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, after after I hopped out of Animal Kingdom, I think I took a little survey online. Should I head to the pool or should I head to Disney Springs? <laughs> and the combined results between Facebook and Twitter told me to head to Disney Springs. So I did. I went to Disney Springs and I got a little shopping out of the way. I hit up the DCL pop-up store that's over there, grabbed some souvenirs, went over to Art of Disney because right now they appear to be selling the atrium statuettes that you normally buy aboard the ships. Uh, they're selling them at Art of Disney and you get an AP discount on them and they'll ship them to your house. <laughs> nice. So, so which ship and which uh, atrium character did you get? Well, I know we're going on the magic next September, or we're supposed to be. And so I decided rather than have to cart that thing home from London, I would just uh, buy it at uh, Art of Disney and have it shipped home. So I did that um, and then picked up a few souvenirs at the Disney Cruise Line pop-up. And then I headed to the infamous Gideon's. What's Gideon's? Oh, uh, well, Sam, you're the only one not in the know here. Gideon's is the new cookie spot that opened up in Disney Springs. And okay, I did hear about the cookie spot, but I did not know the name of it. Yeah, so it's there's one, there's another location in Orlando that's the original, right? And then there's the Disney Springs one. Okay, tell us about it. Yeah, so I had talked to a guest on our show not too long ago about Gideon's who had explained to me the experience was you get in a virtual queue to get into the real queue to then wait for your cookie. And so that was my experience. It was 90 something degrees. <laughs> so I grabbed a star. I got in the virtual queue, grabbed a Starbucks, waited, waited, waited. Um, I had to wait an hour to get into the actual queue. And then it was at like about 20 minutes to a half hour in that line in the sun. Brutal. You get inside Gideon's and Gideon's is like the best way I can describe it is like haunted mansion theme. That's not quite it, but haunted mansion theme on the inside. They sell these massive cookies. The I, I got a I got two of them. I got a classic chocolate chip and I got a white chocolate macadamia nut. 
And then I got a white cold brew coffee, which was basically a white chocolate cold brew coffee, which was delicious. Uh, it was you not... You are killing me with all this white chocolate. Ugh. Well, I, you know, I, it was this, the cold brew was like, this was the thing apparently. And so I decided to try it. And the guy told me, you know, I said, I just don't really like sweet, sweet, sweet drinks. He's like, no, no, it's really balanced. And it was, uh, I, you know, there's just, it tasted more like a cold brew with just a little bit of cream in it. it didn't taste like a super sweet, like Starbucks style frappe or something like that. So. I got the cookies, I got the cold brew and I took off. I did not eat the cookies immediately. I decided I would leave them in the room. It was, I was like 90 something degrees. I don't really want to eat a cookie. And so yeah, hot I drink, cookie. Yeah. I drank the cold brew and I drove back to the Riviera and threw the cookies in my room and changed into my swim trunks and headed for the Riviera pool for a little bit. I was down there for about an well, hour. Tell us, wait, wait, let's slow down there. Tell our um, listeners what the pool is like at Riviera. Well, I was not at the main pool. I was at the quiet pool, but the main pool has like a large pool with a water slide and a uh, kid's splash area. I opted for the quiet pool since it was just me. I will say the one thing I noticed about the Riviera quiet pool was just they used to have these kind of lounger cabana style. What do you call it? Seti, cities, whatever. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that word, but. And they were gone. It, I'll call it a sh- more like a chaise. Yeah, they were all gone. All that was left was kind of the normal, you know, deck chair style seating uh, with umbrellas. So I thought that was kind of a disappointment. I was kind of looking forward to getting one of those chaise style loungers. But yeah, the quiet pool is nice. It's it was not packed uh, even on a ninety something degree day. It was not packed. So grabbed a Aperol spritz, courtesy of um, a friend of ours on the show who. <laughs> who Apple paid me the price of an Aperol spritz to have one. And so <laughs> oh, that's really nice. So I had an Aperol spritz uh, and uh, sat by the pool for a little while and then uh, was messaging back and forth with the same person who had bought me the drink, figure out where I was going to go eat dinner. He was also the same person who hinted me in on Nomad Lounge and he gave me some recommendations and I went from there. All right. So where did you decide to go for dinner then? Well, so Steve out there, who's the person I was messaging with, not Steve Creasy, another Steve, he suggested going to Trattoria Al Forno, I believe it's called, over on yeah. the boardwalk. Boardwalk, yeah. I've been there for character breakfast with our son when you were running. I can't remember if it was the, oh, I think it was the full marathon, or it might have been the half marathon for in 2020 marathon weekend. Yeah, yes. Nathan and I some, ate some there. insane distance I have not run in a while. Some, yet. some crazy distance that I'll never run. <laughs> But yeah, so he had recommended Trattoria Al Forno and this was about 4.30 and I realized that Trattoria Al Forno opened up at 5 and there were no dining reservations available for it at the time. And so a lot of the restaurants at Disney World, if you couldn't get a dining reservation, you could join a walk-up queue, but you had to be close enough to the restaurant to join the queue. A lot of times too, like at Nomad Lounge, basically people started lining up at about 10.30 for an 11 o'clock opening. So when they open the doors, they can immediately get in or get on the standby line. So so anyway, I I hustled, got, got uh, showered and changed and uh, hopped aboard the Skyliner headed to Epcot. And on the way to Epcot, I was checking the virtual queue or the, the standby line for Trattoria. It finally opened up and was immediately gone. But I managed to secure a dining reservation for 825. Uh, so now it was five o'clock and I didn't have to eat until 825. And I was on my way to the International Gateway. So choice was made for me with my annual pass. I hopped into Epcot. Nice. Perfect. All right. So what did you do in Epcot? You're at the International Gateway entrance to the World Showcase. So where did you go when you entered Epcot? 
Well, so first I headed to the gift shop to buy myself some sunscreen because by this point I was getting badly sunburned. <laughs> um, actually, the second tube of sunscreen I bought. <laughs> yeah, this is because when you don't travel with your wife, you forget things like wipes and sunscreen. <laughs> well, that's another thing altogether was that your first time traveling after 15 months, I was making the list of all the things I forgot that I never would have forgotten pre-COVID. <laughs> But, you know, now I now I've got them firmly in my mind. I would pack much differently than I did this time around. Pro tip, too, if you're from a colder climate and headed to Orlando in the summertime, good, good, good idea to bring two, two T-shirts per day because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're sweating through one of those puppies, at least. So so where did I head? I kind of walked around World Showcase a bit. I popped in and out of some stores. I did not make it over to see France. I thought about passing by France, but I was like, uh, everyone's everyone's seen the Remy ride and we all know it's there. We all know it's ready to go. I'm just going to be upset. So I missed, I did not head that way. I headed toward Mexico and I ended up, I decided I would go into the Mexican pavilion. I just wanted to check it out. So there was a line to get into the pavilion. It, it moved pretty quickly. I got in and then when I got inside, I decided I would, you know, I was, I was going to get something from La Cava, but there was like a separate line to get La Cava and actually had to go back outside the pavilion to get in that line, apparently. So I was like, eh, forget that. I was like, I'm inside. It's air conditioned. I'm feeling pretty good. I'll go on Trace Caballeros. And this is the point of the trip that I will say I realized Disney's COVID protocols have turned into COVID theater, right? They were not, they were not the protocols that I thought they were going to be. I'll just say that. So for anyone out there listening who's not familiar, Disney has a number of COVID protocols in place and they've slowly relaxed them over time. You know, at this point, you don't have to wear masks outdoors in the park at all, period. They ask you to keep, you know, social distance, but, you know, they're not enforcing it in the same way they were when the park first opened. They're certainly not enforcing it in ride lines. You, you know, people are not standing on spots any longer. They're just kind of in line like they normally would be. Yeah, it's it's so it's not from what we've what we heard when we talked to a lot of guests or a lot of folks who went to the parks when they first reopened to now the experience is very different it seems. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's no masks outdoors. You're supposed to mask up inside regardless of your vaccination status. And I would say most people did that. But like for the Trace Caballeros ride, the thing that really hit it home for me was there was basically two lines. There was a line to get into the actual ride queue. And the line to get into the actual ride queue is just basically some roped off switchbacks that the width of the rope aisle that you were standing in was shoulder width. So that means over on the other side of the rope is someone else's shoulder, right? So, and everyone's packed in. There's no right. distance you between you and the next party. You can't be six feet apart in that yeah. circumstance. You can't be six feet apart side to side. No one's standing six feet apart front to back. So you're basically just in this like rope switchback for 20 minutes with you and, you know, 50 of your closest friends. And then you get into the actual ride queue and they've got more switchbacks, except they have plexiglass in between. And at that point, I was like, why? Like, why is the plexiglass even here? Because I just stood outside with these people without the plexiglass. So I don't understand, right? And it's kind of at that point, you start to realize the parks are really trying to, trying to crank back to normal. I think you see that even now with the announcements that they're going to allow unvaccinated, or sorry, vaccinated people, masks are optional, which in Florida, you can't ask someone's vaccination status at this point. So it's really just an honor system around wearing your mask, which means no one's going to be wearing masks anymore, which is what I found at Universal, who has the same system. I'm not going to go into my Universal trip on this episode. We'll do it as a bonus show. I wanted to talk about my time at Universal. But yeah, the Disney stuff, the protocols were falling away pretty quickly. So, but I did get on Trace Caballeros. I had my own boat. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> nice. A boat of one. It was the <laughs> handicap boat that has like one seat, a middle section where a, a wheelchair could go, and then another seat. And it's that way all the way back for five rows. And for whatever reason, they gave me my own boat. So I have my own boat with Trace Caballero, so, uh, which was great. <laughs> so yeah, so did Trace Caballeros got off. And then by that time, the La Cava line was gone. So I headed over and got myself a blood orange margarita. Ooh, nice. Uh, I, I'm jealous. I didn't realize you had gotten a margarita. You know, I love those. That's because you don't follow our social media, Sam, because I posted a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got my margarita. I left the pavilion. And where'd you go next? Well, next I went undercover because it started to thunderstorm uh, <laughs> after course, I got out of Florida. the Mexico. Like as soon as I exited, exited the Mexico pavilion, I heard the thunder and I was like, I should not have left the Mexico pavilion. And so I found a spot that was like a, you know, like an open bandstand area that uh, I could stand under. And I did that and, you know, a few people showed up and then it's the the skies opened and it rained heavily and I enjoyed my blood orange margarita. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, what happens when the rain or the thunder calms down? Where do you go then? Well, at that point, it was about seven o'clock and I had an 830 reservation. And so I just decided at that point I was going to exit Epcot and head over to Trattoria El Forno. And I figured if they wouldn't let me in early, I would just find a spot to kind of sit and wait. And so I headed over to Trattoria El Forno and sure enough, they got me in. I was like, I'm one person. They could probably squeeze me in. And they did. And I had a fabulous meal on so many levels. So um, I highly recommend Trattoria El Forno. I think the social media post I made was, I'm, you know, when asked to compare most meals on land to those on the cruise ship, like a Palo or a Remy, I'm going to give it to Palo or Remy. I think Trattoria El Forno gives, uh, not Remy, but Palo, a run for its money in terms of the quality of the Italian food that I had. So so I, I highly recommend Trattoria El Forno. It was really, really good. I'm jealous because their character breakfast, while delicious, is just a regular like breakfast food. It's not Italian food. And uh, you know I love me a good chicken parm and a good lasagna. So Yeah, the lasagna at Trattoria El Forno, I posted a picture of it out on our social media if folks want to go take a look. It was amazing. I, I also had some bruschetta, managed to find one of my favorite beers, Yangling. From my time in from our time in law school, Yingling was really popular in DC. The bruschetta was okay. I think next time I would get the calamari, which was the recommendation from our friend. And for whatever reason, just I felt like I don't want fried calamari and lasagna. But the lasagna, oh, was so <laughs> so fantastic. The sauce was just so bright. It had a little bit of the the bechamel with it. The meat blend was amazing. I so I I, I that is like I'm gonna go back there. Every time I go to Disney World, I'm gonna be thinking about how can I get over to Trattoria El Forno for dinner because it's it was fabulous. It was really good. And and you know, you know the great hold, 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 yeah. hold on. I gotta get the best part. I gotta get the best part. Drink, appetizer, and lasagna, and all of them were decent sized portions was 60 bucks. And you can't you can't find that at like you Disney World 60 60 dollars is unheard of for I think does that kind really of good, food. Yeah. For yeah. really good meal. Yeah. So the nice thing though, Brian was, was trying to say was that, you know, I love to stay at beach club or Riviera and both are quite convenient to the boardwalk. So don't worry, we will be back. Yeah. Although if we stay at Riviera and we're talking Italian food, I'm headed to Topolino's. Well, we, we, listen, we'll do both. We'll do Topolino's one night. We'll do Trattorial Forno another there you night. Go. There you, know? you go. There you go. You can't, there you, you don't well, want to eat at the same place every day. 
Well, I did promise uh, Steve out there who gave the food recommendations a uh, Victorian Albert's dinner the next time uh, that we can meet up because <laughs> his food recommendations were batting a thousand that weekend. Nice. So uh, this past weekend. So, yeah, it was fantastic. So, yeah, finished up dinner, got a scoop of ice cream from the not Ample Hills ice cream spot <laughs> that used to be Ample Hills. Oh, the one on the boardwalk. On the boardwalk. Yeah, I just got a scoop of chocolate ice cream and then uh, hopped on the Skyliner, headed back to Riviera to recharge and relax for the next day and uh, watch a little Cruella that night. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me talk about Cruella for a second because. I was you a have little, a whole Disney. No, listen, Plus I just want to say, no, listen, I just want to <laughs> say, I was a little annoyed that you paid the premium for Cruella because I don't believe in paying the premium for shows on Disney Plus, although I love Disney Plus. But I'm going to say, good job on this one. Okay. I was wrong and you were right on this one. I'm well, saying it on the podcast. <laughs> as soon as your best friend in the world said it was an excellent movie and stood on its own, I was like, there's no chance you're not going to love it. So, Listen, I it, got was so it. it was so good. I'm not going to say anything else about it, except it was so good and you were right to purchase it. So yes, I've already watched it like 10 times now. So it's so, <laughs> it is really good. I I've watched it multiple watched times. It the ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I've watched it multiple times. It's so good. Okay, so let's move on to day two, which is your Hollywood Studios day. And you didn't, you haven't told our listeners why you chose, and I think this will help them understand why did you choose Hollywood Studios. Uh, r- primary reason was I wanted to go on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which I had not had a chance to go on and opened up during the shutdown. And so I really, really wanted to go on that ride. I will say the experience at Hollywood Studios right now is so much better than the last time we were there for Marathon w- Weekend. And for one simple reason, you don't have to show up at five o'clock in the morning to get a rise of the resistance board. Yeah, that was awful. That was awful. It was terrible. And so like, so the morning started, I, I set an alarm for 6.45 and I had gotten advice from Derek and Doug over at Rope Drop Radio. Thanks guys. Uh, shout out to Rope Drop Radio. I had gotten advice from them to run some speed tests on the Wi-Fi and my cellular connection and figure out which one was faster and go with that. And so I ran a couple in my room and neither were particularly good. And so I decided I would get up and I would head down to the Riviera lobby and I get my boarding pass there. And so I headed down, watched the second hand on my clock until it hit seven and immediately hit join boarding group and managed to get like a, not a great boarding group, but not a bad one. I got boarding group 64. And so I had my boarding group in hand at seven o'clock in the morning, but it's seven o'clock in the morning and it's boarding group 64 and I'm in the Riviera lobby. And so I had, I went and got coffee and then I went back to the room and I watched a little TV and then I got cleaned up because Hollywood Studios didn't open until nine. So I had my boarding group two hours before it opened and I could take the Skyliner. I didn't have to do that stupid thing where we try to get a lift early in the morning to get over to Hollywood. So like I hopped the Skyliner. I got into Hollywood Studios. I headed for Slinky Dog and it already had it already had like an 80 plus minute wait. So I never actually rode Slinky Dog in Hollywood Studios. The wait was just it was just too brutal for me. So tried to follow the advice of Rope Drop Slinky Dog and again just got thwarted by my own tardiness to the park. But I headed for Runaway Railway and I was on in like I'd say 30 minutes. Uh Runaway Railway. And so um, You'd think that Runaway Railway would take longer to get on. It's than a people Slinky. eater. It's a people eater. Runaway Railway's cars are big and they take a they can take a lot of people and they're moving pretty quickly because it's a trackless ride. And so it's Where a people eater. Slinky only has a handful of cars, yeah. Yeah. Runaway Railway, I would say, was a was a solid ride. It's not a thrill ride. I tend to be a thrill ride junkie, so, so- 
So you're saying I'm going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I loved I loved it, too, because I love the style of animation because it's that new style of Disney animation that they have for the animated shorts. And so I thought that was a lot of fun. There's so much to look at. It's it's, you know, I'm going to say it's like Rise of the Resistance. To be clear, it's nothing like Rise of the Resistance. But from the standpoint of you could be looking at different places and see a whole bunch of different stuff across the ride it is that way uh, and it is the trackless ride vehicle system like they've employed in rise the resistance now and they will have in remy and the ratatouille ride and i think they also use it in a baymax ride out in um tokyo disney but it's a great ride it's a great it's a solid family ride kids will love it you know adult disney fans will enjoy it but you know, don't get on scary. it yeah don't get on it thinking it's gonna be like flight of passage or something that's got like cool drops and all that sort of stuff it's it's not it's not scary it's not thrill ride so but it's a solid i think it's a solid attraction in addition to the park so yeah well yeah i mean hollywood studios was hurting for rides and now that they've got that they know that they've got mickey and minnie and now that they've got the two rides open in galaxy's edge i feel like now hollywood studios is is a park to to visit it's yeah, not a half it's a, day park. It, it, it's a full day park now. Except it's becoming a victim of its own success. It's It was by far the busiest park that I was in between Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and uh, Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios was by far the busiest. And I looked at the shout out touring plan show sponsor. I looked at the, uh, I looked at the lines app to figure out what park capacity was looking like. And Disney World most of the time, sorry, the Magic Kingdom most of the time was like at a two on a crowd level. And Hollywood Studios had most parks beat most days as a crowd level. So it's the busiest park because it's got the newest rides and attractions and all the stuff that people want to go on right now. So it was it was pretty packed. So I, anyway, I read I, I rode Runaway Railway. Then I rope dropped the Starbucks, uh, grabbed my <laughs> breakfast and my coffee, sat outside the Starbucks for a little while, enjoyed my coffee, enjoyed my breakfast, and then decided I would wander back into Galaxy's Edge. So wander, wander through Galaxy's Edge was kind of keeping an eye. At this point, uh, I was a little concerned because they were not boarding Rise of the Resistance for the first hour or 90 minutes that the park was open. So I was a little concerned that my boarding group 64 was going to turn into like a midnight affair kind of thing. But they started boarding groups. And so I was just kind of paying attention to that and tracking the boarding groups. Decided I'd ride Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And or Smuggler's Run and got paired up with uh, two people who wanted to be pilots. I was an engineer. I apparently am a way better engineer than I've ever been a pilot. And so <laughs> our crew was pretty successful collecting two canisters of coaxium and bringing down a Star Destroyer, which I hadn't seen that before. And so I rode that. You didn't get a Ronto wrap? Well, I don't think it was quite lunchtime yet. I, I, I did. So I look, full disclosure, I got two Ronto wraps that day. <laughs> so I had a Ronto wrap and a Tatooine Sunrise, which is my favorite, favorite combo. And then later in the day, I came back and the Ronto roaster was actually closed. We could order Ronto wraps from Docking Bay 7. And so I went into Docking Bay 7 because I'd never checked it out before. And so I got another Ronto wrap uh, as a snack right before I went on Rise of the Resistance. So, so yeah, two Ronto wrap day. <laughs> okay, well, I had to make sure that you did that. For our listeners, this is ever since Galaxy's Edge opened, this has become Brian's new park food. Uh, it's a lot of people's new favorite park food, by the way. <laughs> well, listen, I would say I'm going to say it it rivals Disneyland churro for Brian. So, <laughs> well, it's two totally different things. I, mean, I know, but I mean, it's like, at Disneyland, it's, I can get a Ronto wrap and a churro. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's one of those things that you like when we go, you have to get at least once, right? You have to get if we're there for three days. You've got to get one Ronto wrap. You've got to get at least one churro. It's a well, one churro, more than one. I know. But, I said um, at least. I said at least. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I think I, you know, what I did is I actually I I 
left Galaxy's Edge and I went back on, I did another round on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway because I decided I wanted to go on it again just to kind of look, you know, look at it again, see the see it differently. Are there any shows open at any of the part? You know, I should say, I know that Life, um, Festival of the Lion King is open at Animal Kingdom, but it's actually kind of hard to get into because it's one of the few things that's open there. But were any of the shows at Hollywood Studios open that you could tell? No, I mean, they're still very much in like the cavalcade land of things. I, I I saw like, I think the movie theater was open with some shorts. I mean, the thing that Disney's lacking right now is kinetic energy in the parks because the parks are still limited capacity. So you're not, you're not really getting a ton of kinetic energy from the crowds and you don't have any of the street performances that kind of suck people aside and you get that music in the background and that sort of stuff. So like shows, street performances, like they're, they're in desperate need of some more stuff to occupy people so that the ride lines are not just like right now, the only place you can go is to wait in line. Like that's it. It's wait in line or get some food. Which is, it's interesting. It's interesting that the ride lines are as long as they are given what, you know, the park capacity is right now or, or the, the, well, they're the- short. They're, they're still far shorter than they ever were. Like, so Flight of Passage never cracked. Like, the longest I saw it was like an hour and 20 minutes. I'm sure. So, it's still a yeah. lot shorter than what it, it, it what it was like when it opened or even, even normal pre-pandemic times when it's, you know, sort of the height of the tourist season. But what I mean is the fact that it's still even an hour or over tells you, you know, there's not much else to do in the parks outside of the rides. Yeah, it's also the marquee attraction. I mean, none of the, the most of the ride lines in Hollywood Studios were hovered around an hour, with the exception being Slinky Dog that was consistently around 80 minutes. You know, and and the posted wait times, I think we had Lynn on before talking about posted wait times versus actual. The posted wait times were usually much higher than the actual waits. So Right. They'd rather you be pleasantly surprised than be waiting longer than what it said. So anyway, my Hollywood Studios day was 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 fine. I, I got on rise around, I think it was like 3.30 in the afternoon. They finally called my boarding group. I decided I had to hang out in the park the whole time because I didn't want to leave and then find out that they had hit park capacity when I came back and not be able to get on. So I hung out in the park the whole day. I didn't really ride a whole lot. I did Mickey and Minis. I did Smuggler's Run and I did Midway Mania. Didn't even attempt rock and roller coaster or tower of terror so midway mania i i know that it wasn't opened immediately when when the parks reopened i think because you've got to touch things right you've got to touch your shooter thing how did they how did they deal with that in covid i mean i know that surfaces are actually not a big spreader of covid but were there precautions being taken like were they cleaning the the things between every not, not that i not that I saw. I, 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 I wouldn't say they weren't because I just didn't look out for it. I mean, to your point, I think they've pretty much determined that surfaces aren't a spreader. And so they're not, I don't think the same precautions are being taken. I will say, and again, we'll talk about Universal as a bonus show next week, but I will say Disney had lots of hand sanitizing stations that were always full of hand sanitizer. So you get off a ride, you can immediately get hand sanitizer. So, I, you know, I, I didn't even think about it on... Midway Mania. It was probably the one ride where I really wasn't thinking about COVID at all. And I ended up getting a nice high score. So that was fun. <laughs> so yeah, I, Midway was just, it felt like normal Midway Mania. Um, yeah. Did you get the crazy cat as your... I did get your, crazy cat and I, I got best in, I got best in vehicle, which the photo I posted on social media showed that I was in a car by myself. And <laughs> so when I said best in vehicle, people were like, oh yeah, but, but I mean, what I mean is 
the, there were people in the seats behind me and then the car next to us was full. So I got best of all four cars or whatever, you know, all four people. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I did Midway Mania and then I did my Rise of Resistance and then I hopped out at Hollywood Studios to uh, to head over to Wilderness Lodge. Cool. So what was the plan or why did you head over to Wilderness Lodge? Well, I was meeting up with Lake from the Mouse Gen vlog who we've had on the show and Steve Creasy from the DCL podcast. So we, we met up and had uh, drinks and dinner and set a geyser point, which I hadn't been to before. I actually have never been in the Wilderness Lodge, which might be shocking for some, but I, I look at it as uh, we go to the Grand Californian all the time mm-hmm. at Disneyland and Wilderness Lodge has a very similar aesthetic. And so I just, I've never really been like, oh, I need to make it over to the Wilderness Lodge. The only time I've thought about doing it is uh, around Christmas time because they're supposed to be decked out for Christmas. So yeah, the cabins are supposedly everybody decorates with lights and whatnot. Even I mean, even guests, not just the not just the resort being decorated. So where did you guys where did you guys eat? Geyser Point. Geyser Point. Oh, yeah. okay. At Geyser Point at Wilderness Lodge. Uh, it's mostly an outdoor space and a bar. And so we had some had some drinks, had some dinner. Actually, also met up with Chris in the Concierge Lounge, whose family was staying in one of those gorgeous cabins at Wilderness Lodge. So got a chance to meet Chris live and in person. Yeah, so just uh, had dinner that evening. And then I was there for four or five hours just having drinks and chit-chatting. Just and hanging then out, yeah. Just hanging out. And then I, I booked it back to Riviera because I realized I had to get packed because I was leaving the next morning and uh, was heading to Universal Studios. Yeah, well, that's one of the benefits of having a car, right? Because you, if you are headed to another park like Universal for the day and you've got luggage, <laughs> we're what are you going to do with that luggage? I mean, I guess you could find a locker. I think they might have lockers at Universal that you might be able to use, but otherwise you've got to get the resort to hold your luggage for you. And then you got to go back to the resort to get your luggage before you head to the airport. Yeah. I I would say the car was a benefit this time around because I was just able to zip from place to place on my own time. Right. That was the nice part about it. You know, so when I left Animal Kingdom and wanted to go to Disney Springs, I could go directly there. I wasn't waiting for Disney transportation. I wasn't having to like go from a park to a resort to then get another bus out to wherever I wanted to go. And there's no Uh, minivans right now, right? None that I saw. I don't think they're operating yet. Yeah. I mean, when I could take the Skyliner, I did uh, because it's, I think, a very superior way of getting around. But for Animal Kingdom or getting to another resort, I mean, getting between resorts is notoriously terrible. Car was, uh, the car was fantastic. And on the day I went to Universal, it was kind of a must have to get, to get around, especially because I was going there right before I caught a flight out of the airport. So. So anyway, so yeah, it was a it was a good. I mean, overall, it was a good trip. It was really nerve wracking to start. It was hard to get my brain into the kind of vacation mode. So I'll be interested to see how you do next weekend, Sam, <laughs> trying to bust into vacation mode at Disneyland. It was it was really hard to do. It's it's hard to do at some level because you're still staring at people wearing masks, um, even though you're vaccinated. You know, just sort of like, oh my god, am I going to get COVID? So that was hard. But overall, it was a fun trip. And I think I just need to like do a few more of these kinds of trips before I can kind of reset myself back to, you know, COVID just something we're going to have to live with. So. Okay. But the, the, the most important question is Disney World solo versus Disney World with your family. So initially, I would have, I, I think I would have said like, oh, it'd be so great to go solo. And there were, there were advantages, right? The advantages were primarily kind of do whatever I wanted on my own time. Like I said, you know, I hopped over to Animal Kingdom. I rode a couple of rides I wanted to ride. Then I was like, peace out. I'm headed to Disney Springs. If you had been there, I'm sure it would have not been, you know, like, oh, we're not doing that. But with Nathan, I think it's 
you know, much more difficult to just be flexible and go with the flow and do what you want to do. And so, um, you know, I had a pretty big, like the first day I had a pretty big day in terms of I did some rides. I went to Disney Springs. I sat by the pool. I went to another park. I did some rides there. I had dinner, right? Like it just, it felt like I kind of just do what I wanted. But at the end of the day too, I was like, it's kind of stinks because I don't have anybody to like share this with except people I'm like texting with or posting on social media, that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's just, it's more fun. I think when you, when you share Disney than when you do it on your own, not to say I wouldn't do another solo trip. I mean, it was fine. I don't think I'd ever do something as radical as like a solo cruise. I think that would just be uh, too much for me. I'm also like, I think it would be different too for you, Sam, going solo than me. Like I'm an introvert. So like I dragged along all these cards to hand out about our podcast and swag and stuff. And I don't think I gave in any of them, right? <laughs> so just so I don't meet people in line. You make friends wherever you go. So I think you would probably make friends and probably end up having dinner with them, right? Like I, I was more like, oh, I've got my crossword puzzle in tow and I'll, while I'm having dinner, I'll do my crossword puzzle, right? Like I'm totally fine eating alone or hanging out alone and by myself. But you know, I think, I think the magic in Disney is sharing it with people. And so I don't know that I'm super, would be super excited to do another solo trip. Uh, so yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us to my favorite part of the show, which is rapid fire, which you didn't oh, know. You don't but get to do rapid fire with yes, me. Yes, I'm giving you a rapid fire. <laughs> I'm going to, it's a short rapid fire round. All right, let's go. It, let's go. It's Walt Disney world focused. Okay. Right, let's go. Let's go. All right. Favorite park at Walt Disney world. Hollywood Studios. Favorite land at Walt Disney World. Toy Story Land. Favorite classic ride at the world. I don't know that I have a favorite classic ride at Disney World. I mean, everything there is modern that I like to ride. <laughs> Ju- you know what? Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. I'll say Jungle Cruise. Favorite modern ride at the world. At the world, I would say Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, but it's the same at the land. Yeah, but at the land, I might choose a different modern rider attraction. Uh, you're going to choose Space Mountain at Disneyland. Nope. Not. Oh, I, I, I view that as a classic ride anyway. So keep going, though. <laughs> All right. Okay. Favorite Disney World snack? I don't have one. I don't have a favorite Disney World snack. I didn't have a single snack while I was there. A Ronto wrap is a snack? No, it's not. A Ronto wrap is a meal. <laughs> Ronto wrap is a meal. And a memorable moment from the trip. Uh, I'd say hanging out with Lake and Steve at Geyser Point. It was nice to meet up with people in person who, especially Steve, we've been texting back and forth throughout the pandemic. And uh, so it was nice to be able to travel again and meet up with him live. So yeah, I'd say meeting up with Lake and and Steve and, and Christy. Christy was stopped by too. And and Chris, Chris and the Concierge Lounge showed up. So yeah, it was it was nice just to meet up with those folks. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you so much for sharing your <laughs> for sharing your Walt Disney World solo me? trip. I'm at DCL Duo on social Dave. media. I have hey, a podcast. You have to let you me say it. it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to shift back into host duty because it's time to wrap this thing up. But <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone out there for listening. It's a little weird because we don't have a guest to thank other than myself. Thank, I'd like to thank, thank the you, Academy. Brian. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy. And uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, later this week or next week with the portion of my trip report on Universal Studios. And of course, we're hitting up Disneyland this weekend for Father's Day weekend. And so expect a lot of content there from us, uh, especially about the new Avengers Campus. Yay! So we are so excited. So excited to share Web it with slingers. you. A little web slingers, which has created some controversy in the Diz Twitter community because Ooh. people are hating on it. People are hating <gasps> on the web slingers. Uh, I think it's a bunch of people who've never ridden it, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, 
a few more uh, episodes on the parks related content that we've got coming out. And then uh, we promise we're going to steer ourselves back into cruise related content again. So, uh, but we can't help but share our, our favorite trips with you and uh, going to Disneyland, getting back to Disneyland after 15 months of being away is going to be fantastic. So thanks Sam for the interview and uh, more to come folks. Thanks Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed our show this week. I know it wasn't cruise line related, but as I said in the show, we can't help but share our enthusiasm when we get to go on trips. And so, you know, when we're out there traveling, we want to share that with you. If it's to Disney World, Disneyland, on another cruise line, or just an international trip, we're going to want to share that with you. So expect to hear more from us as travel starts back up. We love to share our experiences with everyone out there. And so with that, I did have another five-star review that I wanted to read on the air this week. And this week, we're going to do something a little different because I finally got access to our international reviews. And so this one comes from one of our Canadian listeners, and that's coming from MovieFan777, who writes, great Disney cruise content and more. The reason the DCL Duo podcast is so refreshing is that it offers honest, independent content and opinions without an underlying sales pitch. There is a mix of all things Disney, including the parks and entertainment with genuine guests who offer useful advice. Keep up the great content. Well, thank you, MovieFan777. And um, I, I just want to be really clear with our listeners out there. I know the show is sponsored now by Touring Plans Travel. We went with Touring Plans Travel because Touring Plans itself has a real ethos of putting the customer first ahead of the product. And so we are a big believer in that. We are a big believer in comparing Disney Cruise Line to other cruise lines. We're a big believer in comparing our experience at Disney to other parks and other vacations and so we want to make sure that if you are a disney fan you know what else is out there because you know there are going to be times when disney is not offering the greatest product out there and there are going to be times when they are so we like to be real honest here we're not out to sell you anything we just really want to bring you information share our experiences and really elevate the experiences of our guests that's why our tagline here at the dcl duo is disney podcasting elevated so we want to elevate the experience for you elevate it beyond a sales pitch and elevate the stories of our guests so with that i do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the dcl duo each week please also head over to apple podcast leave us those five-star reviews we love reading them on the air and we love hearing the listener feedback so let us know what you want to hear more of through those reviews or you can just send us an email so if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dcl duo you can also join our dcl duo vlog and podcast facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself, or you can head over to our DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. Just browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo. You can also become a supporter of the show by visiting touringplans.com slash travel to book your next vacation and letting them know we referred you, or by heading over to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choosing one of our support tiers. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are still those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.